0: It's time for episode 543 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we always look before we leap. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across this week, sitting in for Micah Sargent, who is on assignment, the one, the only, the automator activist, I don't know where I'm going with that, Rosemary Orchard. Hi, Rosemary, how are you?
1: I'm good, Dan. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, it's very exciting to be not Micah for a week. Uh, You know, I did it yesterday, (laughs) doing it today. You know, it's great that he's on assignment. Who doesn't love special missions?
0: I'm not, Micah, literally every day, and it's a little disappointing (laughs) for everybody involved. Uh, Well, this is, of course, the show where we invite two fantastic guests to talk about four tech topics. To my left this week, it is the editor-in-chief at No Jitter and a frequent podcaster over at The Incomparable. It's Lisa Schmeiser. Welcome back, Lisa.
1: Thank you for having me. I love this podcast. I love being on it. And to my left, it is uh, the one, the only generally nice person, uh, and I believe that is indeed (laughs) limitless, uh, creator of Call Sheet, Casey Liss. Welcome back, Casey.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to be here with all of you.
0: Well, let me kick things off today. Uh, Breaking news this week. Apple has killed its EV automated driving project after a decade. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts on this? Are you surprised? Are you delighted? Uh, Are you sad? Lisa, let's start things off with you.
3: I'm really not surprised. I think what I was always a little bit more surprised by was that Apple didn't pick an automaker to partner with and work on it in collaboration with them. Like the idea that they would be, we're building a car, here we go, when they have almost nothing that goes into the automaking industry like that. The whole project just just baffling. So I'm I'm glad that this confusing interlude is over. I am sorry that we aren't going to see their approach to user experience and slightly more environmentally mindful guiding principles in the auto industry right now because I think we could use that.
1: Yes, I was surprised, but only because I didn't know it existed. Um, I am not particularly delighted, though I do hope that some of the folks, uh, will, uh, continue to work at Apple and work on CarPlay, uh, because I think taking over the whole dashboard of, uh, the car and giving, uh, you know, the same user experience to folks across similar vehicles will be better it just strikes me as a very difficult industry. There's so much involved in logistics. I know Tim Cook is, you know, king of logistics or whatever title he'd like, Imperial Emperor. Um, But, um, you know, cars are very different to ship than iPhones. I hear the boxes are much larger. So that alone should probably make it more difficult. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
2: I am a, like Dan, I'm a big fan of cars and, and I enjoy cars quite a lot. And the thing that scared me the most about, Apple working on a car other than, you know, the obvious things about being distracted from other things and so on and so forth. But I can't imagine that with Apple's margins, that an automobile would be particularly affordable. And I am the kind of person that would want whatever they tell me I want. So <laughs> if the, if they came out with this $150,000, $200,000 car, I can't afford that, but I'd want to. And so I am very thankful that, uh, that, that this seems to have been then put out to pasture and, the only thing that really makes me sad about this is Project Titan was a pretty good code name. I mean, come on, that's pretty solid. And so now, they're, I mean, I guess I could reuse it for something else, but no Project Titan anymore. But yes, I think this was long since due, long since time. I think it's, it seems like the right move from what little I know. I'm sad that we're not going to see their cut on a car, whatever that may be, you know, take their unique perspective on what a car should be. But, you know, maybe we'll get it in a memoir or tell all, you know, in 30 years or something like that.
0: Uh, My understanding is Project Titan has already been repurposed for their giant robot initiative. Ah, nice. Good to know. Everything's fine. Um, Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. I've known people who worked on this project. And I think the thing that's kind of overriding over the decade is it felt like the vision itself was... If you'll pardon the expression, a moving target. Like every time there was a story about it, they were doing something else. Like, oh, we're not, we're partnering with people. Oh, we're building autonomous vehicle systems. Oh, we're going to build the whole car. Oh, we're going to dial back a little bit. Like every two years, there was a new strategic vision, and that to me says you got, you guys don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't have a plan for this. Uh, you kind of want to get into this market, and I think they're, you know, they they look at people like Tesla and Rivian and whatever and see like, oh, hey, there's opportunity there, right? Like these startup companies can make a car and actually ship it. But I think in addition to everything else Apple was doing, the idea that they would have not only to deal with like car sales and building cars and all that, but dealing with like car service like uh, that to me seemed wild. And it always was a thing I struggled to wrap my head around. I think it's good. You shut it down, return the money to the shareholder or shut it down and just <laughs> stop working on that. Uh, the sunk cost fallacy, you need to just sort of say it's, it's done. We, we, we spent the money. We spent the time. It didn't pan out. Let's move on to better things. Uh, thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Lisa.
3: So one of the big stories that we keep covering in tech over and over again are the rise of generative AI co-pilots. Co-pilot is actually the generic term for the kind of AI assistants who can presumably do automated tasks, do knowledge retrieval. They're, they're supposed to be the, the little things that help you work. What I would love to know is what kind of tasks, what are the dream tasks you want Siri to do for you that would make your life easier and make your work easier?
1: uh things like automatically just like being aware that i am running low of certain uh grocery items and so on and adding them to my shopping list or even just having them appear uh preferably in the fridge where they're supposed to go um would be amazing um finding that thing that i saw when i opened instagram before it refreshed and disappeared on me <laughs> that would be really useful <laughs> um and also voice and thought transcription so you know there is literally in in uh like live stream just now, uh, somebody was noting down a title based on something I'd said. And I literally don't remember what I said. And uh, Emma also didn't remember the last word by the time she got to the end of typing it. Um, having that transcribed for me would be great. We're getting pretty close to that already. But thought transcription, what was I thinking just now before this other thing popped up and took over my brain and stole the thought? So I I, I feel like there's a lot of things. Realistically, uh, unfortunately, the groceries and voice transcription, is most likely. Um, Amazon had dash buttons where you could just like press it and it would deliver new detergent to you or whatever it was. Um, And then they did the shelf for, um, you know, like their Amazon stores uh, for checking when stuff was running low and so on. I feel like integrating that into a kitchen, you know, it can't be that far away, can it?
2: I would love to be able to do compound requests to Siri, you know, something like and maybe this is supposed to be a, a thing that you can do now, but I've never gotten it to work. You know, hey, dingus, turn on the living room lamp and turn off the playroom lamp, you know, do something compound like that. I think that would be really nice and not have it be like, well, which living room lamp or what living room or what house, even though I only have one, you know, or whatever failure state Siri would somehow find itself in. Um, and then additionally, <laughs> I would love it if I could ask Siri to ask an app to do something on my behalf and not have to pronounce it in such a way that Siri can actually make heads or tails of what I mean. So I am a devout user of the app do DUE. It's a like reminder sort of kind of to do app. And I basically run my life on that in my calendar. And so I would love to be able to ask Siri to add something to that app without having to try to do these verbal gymnastics to get it to understand what I mean. Todoist is another example. I guess I don't use it, but I guess a lot of people have to pronounce it to doist or something like that that. in order order to uh, in order to get Siri to understand. So just understand me, Siri. Let's start there. I feel like that's table stakes, isn't it? Let's just start with that.
0: Yeah, for me, uh, there are definitely some tasks I'd love to sort of offload onto Siri if I could be like, hey, book my clockwise guest for this week. (laughs) That would save me a lot of time, let me tell you. Not that I don't love emailing each and every one of you. It is a delight, but it would save me time. Um, To build off one of Rosemary's too, I think meal planning in general is another place where I'd love to see. (laughs) Although I have deep fear about asking an AI to come up with a recipe for me because it seems like it would just make up these insane recipes. You know, uh, just add a cup of sugar and half a cup of salt and mix it all together with some flour and it's got a full meal for you. But I, I certainly, the idea of voice assistance is, you know, Lisa, as you said, always been to be like an assistant. And, you know, to Casey's point, it feels like we spend as much time managing Siri as it actually does useful stuff for us. So if we can flip that script a bit and have Siri be the actual voice assistant that we were promised, like an effective one, like, oh, man, I just hired the best assistant ever. Like, that's great. Let's do that. That sounds awesome. Uh, Lisa, any last thoughts to wrap us up here?
3: I want an assistant that handles my email for me at this point. I want one where if there are things on my calendar, it knows not to just flash a reminder, but to like maybe do a voice reminder half an hour ahead of the time that says, all right, get your coffee, check your tap, get downstairs <laughs> <laughs> and, and preps you and doesn't just do the 15 minutes before an appointment, you have an appointment in 15 minutes, which not always helpful. So I wanted to, like, in addition to the voice thing, I'd like an assistant that's capable of adding context based on what I want in, you know, in terms of attention and managing time and managing priorities.
0: All right. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Route. With the rise of AI, which we were just talking about, technology is starting to seem more human and that's causing some mixed feelings in the human who use it. That's why Season 3 of the Trace Route podcast is so topical, it's a podcast that explores the people who shape our digital world and how technology is changing society. The new season of Trace Route is already tackling questions like why do we talk to AI but not to our toasters and cars or how long does it take to become pals with AI? In every episode of Trace Route, expert technologists peel back the layers of the stack to reveal the humanity in the hardware. Season 3 has explored our love-hate relationship with AI and there's so much more to come like the recent episode called We Were Promised Flying Cars where they explore why it took almost a century to get flying cars from a concept in the jets To reality. Uh, I listened to an early episode this season of Happiness is a Warm Bot, which talked about our experiences with AI and particularly why we humanize AI. Like, why does it have an emotional response to us? And I thought that's a really interesting thing to sort of explore is like, yeah, stuff that's like personalized, you know, anthropomorphized or you know, has that aspect to it. But an AI is kind of like shapeless and formless. And why do we still treat it like they're people? I don't know. It's interesting stuff. And if that interests you, you should probably listen to this podcast. So get keyed into the conversation today. Listen and subscribe to the new season of Traceroute on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Traceroute now. Search for T-R-A-C-E-R-O-U-T-E or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to Traceroute for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Rosemary, what is your topic?
1: Well, Greg Pierce, uh, creator of uh, Drafts and Terminology and Telly, and a couple of other great utility apps uh, for iOS, uh, just released a brand new app called Simple Scan. Its purpose is to take the built-in iOS uh, scanning function that's on your phone and iPad, buried in files and notes, and make it really easy for you to find, for you to use, and Just, you know, mean that you don't necessarily have to shove the scanned file into notes or files. And I was wondering what other iOS or iPadOS or macOS or any other, you know, uh, platforms features are there that are really cool. But just the way that they are positioned makes them very hard to find or limited or just, you know, basically non-existent for most users. And which one of those could you Would you bring to the foreground, as it were, uh, if you could do that? So I'm a big
2: proponent and fan of I forget the official marketing name for it. But the thing where your lock screen changes either hourly or every time you pick up your phone or what have you to show different people and or pets so i have you know both of my children and my wife and my dog all on my lock screen and every time i my phone locks itself another photo is brought up and it seems based on anecdata that you know it'll choose a batch of maybe 10 ish photos like and then maybe halfway through the day it'll get a new batch whatever the case may be well a lot of times i want to know well where was that photo taken or when was that or whatever the case may be and Sit down, everyone. Let me tell you how you do that. So what you need to do in order to do this is you need to mash down on your lock screen. Then you tap customize. Then you tap on lock screen. Then you mash down on the photo a gazillion freaking times. Because as soon as you go into the lock screen, it's like, oh, you want a new photo now. No, I don't want a new photo. I want the same one. So you mash down a million times on the photo in order to get to the right one. Then you hit the oh so obvious ellipsis. And then you say, and then you choose show photo in library. So straightforward. (laughs) So easy. So, so discoverable. I would like to have any freaking way to do that. That is less convoluted and involved than what I just described.
0: Apple has built in a very handy feature in FaceTime for sharing your screen with someone else, which I like, but I hate that it's buried into I have to make a FaceTime call with somebody first. I wish there was an easier way. I think you can do it maybe in messages on the Mac. I'm not sure if you can do it in messages on iOS. Um, But I feel like screen sharing is one of those things that's super handy in general for like times when I want to be able to like uh, help my mom fix something. Yesterday, she's like, I accidentally deleted this this thing I was typing. I was like, all right, let me visualize in my head what this looks like. Um, That's something handy. I honestly would add into that a thing that doesn't really exist right now, which is the ability to screen share from one of your iOS devices to another one of your iOS devices. Like last night, I realized I'd left a file open on my iPad that I wanted to pull up on my phone. And because I had saved it, on my iPad locally, instead of in iCloud Drive, I just couldn't do it. I was like, I have to walk downstairs like a like an animal and <laughs> open up my iPad <laughs> and then move the file. I didn't do it because I was in bed. It was very comfortable. Um, and then the last one is um, <laughs> you can access... Most people probably don't know this because most people probably don't have to do this, but the Files app actually lets you connect to servers like like your Mac, for example, and like pull up all the files on your Mac in the files app. And I guess files is a perfectly reasonable place to have that, but it is kind of buried under that same place where you find the scan documents feature. So yeah, file connection <laughs> stuff, I think is really one of those things. I understand why Apple has hidden it away so that people don't stumble upon it and get confused or do things they shouldn't do. But man, it's a really useful feature when you need it. Lisa, what about you?
3: Honestly, I just want to say it took me far too long to realize that when you are dictating a text in Siri, you can also put in emojis. You can actually, when you are, you know, Siri, send a text to fill in the person here, describe the emoji using its name like Red Heart Emoji or Face with Tears of Joy or any one of those. It took me far, far too long to figure out I could do this, but now my texts are um emoji
1: one hundred better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to be able to share my location with a person via Find My Mm. for something that is not An hour but it's also not until the end of the day like it's until the end of next week for example and i would love to just be able to do that sort of thing instead of having to do that every single day like resharing it you know there's the option buried in accessibility settings by the way when you have announced messages on to have images described that is insanely useful because there is nothing more frustrating than driving down the road in carplay and uh casey has sent you an image (laughs) You you can view this on your iPhone. It's like, okay, but I'm in a car. I'm going to be driving for the next two hours. The chances are by the time I get out the car, I'm going to forget that Casey sent me an image. Could you just Mm -hmm. please describe it? There's a feature. It's buried in accessibility settings, but you can turn it on and have Siri describe those images for you, which it does a surprisingly good job of if it it understands what the image is at any rate. So there we go. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in iOS. Low-hanging fruit for, for our favorite app developers out there. Um, and speaking of favorite app developers, Casey, what's your topic? <laughs> All
2: right. So I am probably way too obsessed with what I'm calling the ugh. Curve for the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, what do you? What would you think if you saw someone using one on like a plane, or perhaps if you live in a civilized country, a train? Uh, what about like a library or a coffee shop? Uh, in you know, to choose your hypothetical environment as you see fit. Uh, but uh, what would you think if you saw somebody else doing it? And would you have the gumption to do it yourself?
0: I think I would be intrigued if I saw someone doing it on a plane. Like I don't think I would be upset about it, but I would be like curious because. I don't know. I mean, maybe a little envious even on a plane. Like, I I don't know if I have the gumption. Let's start with that part. I don't know if I have the gumption for that yet. Um, I definitely remember being like the person pulling out my like handspring visor in a college classroom. (laughs) Um, But like, it's such a different world now for that kind of thing. Like, people, Mm -hmm. you know, use their laptops and in classrooms and stuff like that. Like, most of us didn't have laptops. And so, I think it's just a matter of being more like, okay, yeah, that person's going for it. That's cool. Coffee shops, a little weirder. I feel like in a coffee shop, there is some sort of an expectation that you are here in a communal space. I get a little bit put off even by people having like video calls in coffee shops, like even on headphones, mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. they're just standing in this in there talking to their computer. It's like, man, I don't feel like I would do that. I don't think I'd have a um, a Zoom meeting in a coffee shop. So in some ways, the Vision Pro at least makes it more Private, But at the same time, it also is this person who has come to a social area and then removed themselves, it feels like, from the the social aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it will happen. And I think it will become something we are all much more comfortable with in the same way we've all become very comfortable with headphones in all sorts of spaces. But I think there is definitely a curve to that, and we are on the the upswing of it. I mean, in large part because there aren't th- that many of these things out there, and it is still a device of intense interest in a way that uh, you know maybe it won't be in five years from now. Uh, Lisa, what about you?
3: With the caveat that I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I go to a <laughs> lot of tech conferences, at this point, I'm honestly surprised I'm not seeing more from people peacocking over being able to just drop mm-hmm. many thousands of dollars on on one of these things and living in the future while the rest of us are living in 2024. Dan touched on a really good point, which is that we have seen whatever line people used to have between public and private lives and what they conducted in public spaces, like that line is more of a dotted line now with people conducting their workplace business in restaurants or at parks or, you know, anywhere, thanks to the work from anywhere environment. And this seems like the next logical step to be honest, what I'm much more curious about is how this affects being able to move around, like on sidewalks or in in places where people have to walk and be aware of their surroundings. Because, like, my nightmare is that one of these days I'm walking down the street and then one or two people with these these vision pros on just like stop what they're doing in the middle of the road, and you're like, "Come on, you know, I'm walking here." I Honestly, expect this to be normalized and ubiquitous within the next five to six years, especially in parts of the country where people are like all in on the whole, oh, it's the metaverse or, oh, I, I love my immersive environment. And it's part and parcel of the image or the the, the social expectations for their job or for their, their technocast, as it were.
1: Well, uh, I'm not sure, uh, which, uh, San Francisco, uh, Lisa lives in. I'm guessing it's a parallel timeline one because I find wherever I go in the world, uh, people will just stop in front of me while I'm walking, regardless of whether or not they're wearing, um, you know, something like a vision pro. Um, so if I saw what somebody using one in public, um, I mean, honestly, there's definitely some envy going to be happening. Um, my inner, I really want that might make me just go. Do I think I could take them? Um, I probably wouldn't, though. Um, you know, I definitely, because I'm here in the UK, where we don't have Apple Vision Pro yet. Uh, some people have imported them, but we can't even get a demo yet. So I would definitely be harassing them to, to let me actually try it out. Um, but I, I do think... You know, if I see somebody using one on our plane, honestly, I feel like that is a good thing because the number of times I have like half watched a horror film silently that somebody else in front of me was watching and I don't want to be watching it. Like I don't like horror films. They're too scary for me. Um, You know, somebody else is watching it. And despite the fact that you've got whatever it is you want to watch on you can't help but like keep seeing it out of the corner of your eye. So I feel like for travel entertainment, uh, this is definitely an improvement, especially because people can't then use the speaker built into their iPhone or iPad for playing the audio out loud. Um, You know, it just plays into their ears uh, pretty much through the vision pro that's, that's an improvement. Um, With libraries and coffee shops, I feel like it really depends. You know, there's a lot of sort of more co-working space areas. um, And if I saw somebody, you know, sitting down or standing in one of those using a Vision Pro in in a more co-working space area, then, you know, I just kind of assumed that they either were developing for it or getting work done. In like a regular cozy coffee shop where people go and they chat with other people, you know, that they've usually brought with them um, or, you know, read a book or something. I feel like I probably judge that person, though I'm not entirely sure why or on what scale, uh, but I feel like, yeah, it's, it's the whole removing yourself from the environment thing. I'm a nerd, so a a chunk of me would just be really excited to see an Apple Vision Pro in person. But at the same time, I do feel like it's like when you see people walking down the street using speakerphone um, and you hear that whole conversation that you really don't want to hear, but then you also get secretly obsessed with because somehow it's insanely interesting. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's that sort of schadenfreudery type thing where it's, it's both going to be cool, but oh my gosh, like, please can you just not? Um, at least at times it's going to be contextual, isn't it? Uh,
2: yeah, I was asking for a friend. that's fr- That friend's name is Casey Liss. Um, so I <laughs> did use one on the train. We actually do have like three trains in the country. And I used one on the train coming uh, back from New York right like literally days after it was released. And surprisingly, no, granted, it was, you know, a very empty train. But surprisingly, I only got one person that did like a triple take wondering what the heck I was doing. Um, I've also used it at the library, but I haven't had the gumption to do it in like the main Like open area, and our libraries here are excellent. And what I've done is I've reserved a room for myself, so I'm like in a room, kind of off by my lonesome, staring at a wall awkwardly with these weird goggles on my face. And I feel like that's a decent happy medium. Uh, I haven't had I haven't had the gumption to do it, like you know, just out in the main library area, despite having a couple of opportunities. Uh, I think. It it will get better. I think it was Dan that said this a minute ago. It will get better just like AirPods did. But right now it is still a, a remarkable thing to see. And I don't expect that to change quite as quickly as it did with AirPods. Because when I got my AirPods, it was like, ooh, I feel a little gross doing this. And then within literally two weeks, it was like, oh, look, everyone has AirPods now.
0: Uh, sorry, the, the image of Casey in a reserved room with, wearing his Apple Vision Pro all by himself, like he's in some sort of budget <laughs> holodeck, is going to live rent free in my memory for the rest of time. Budget <laughs> holodeck. Oh uh, my God.
3: Very good,
0: very good. All right. That is four topics now. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get there, I am very excited to tell you we've got a brand new sponsor this week on Clockwise. This episode is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company, letting you make restaurant quality pizza in your own home. Uni Pizza Ovens can reach up to 950 degrees Fahrenheit and cook pizza in as little as 67 seconds. This high temperature is what separates these pizzas you'll make in uni from the ones you can make in a conventional oven. And they're super quick to heat up. you will be ready to go in only 20 minutes, just enough time to get all your toppings ready. Do you love authentic wood-fired flavor? How about the convenience of cooking with gas? Well, whether you're looking to cook with wood, charcoal, gas, or even electricity, there's an uni oven that fits your needs and lifestyle. Uni-designed ovens like the wood pellet-fueled FIRA 12 and the multi-fuel Karu 12G for maximum portability. It's made for those who like to go so cooking on the go camping getting out into the wilderness but if you want the, both the convenience of gas but love the flavor of wood fire cooking uni's Kauru line has you covered because you can use wood or charcoal right out of the box or get the optional gas burner for cooking flexibility and now with uni's electric volts 12 pizza oven you can make pizza both indoors and outdoors and uni ovens are for more than just pizza you can cook juicy burgers sizzling fajitas buffalo wings and so much more Uni pizza ovens start from just 2 dollars with free shipping to the US, UK, and EU. And they also make cast iron cookware, pizza peels, thermometers, and loads of other accessories to help you level up your cooking. Uni was nice enough to send me an oven. And my wife and I, let me tell you, pizza making has been contentious in our household. It has tested our marriage at times. And <laughs> I, will, I will issue a quote to you from when I presented this pizza to my wife. And she ate it and said, I think this is the best pizza we've ever made. So there you go. I I can't give you a higher recommendation to that. And we are still married. So I can tell you, it worked great. (sighs) Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni pizza oven. Just go to uni.com and use the code CLOCKWISE2024 to check out. Uni pizza ovens are the best way to bring restaurant quality pizza to your home. So go to OONI.com and use the code CLOCKWISE2024 for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni pizza ovens for their support of this show. All right, quick bonus topic time. Are you a hat person and do you have a favorite hat? Lisa?
3: I do have a favorite hat. I'm blanking on the brand. It's one of your classic REI hiking slash sun hats. And um I look like a 60-year-old Boy Scout master every time I wear it, and I love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's a hat recommendation right there. Um I have quite a few uh, winter hats and summer hats. Uh, I do, um, you know, like nice big straw hats to block out the sun in summer. And I've got sort of uh, baker uh, boy style uh, hats for sort of autumn and spring when it's a little bit chilly, but you don't need like a big hat. And then I've got like, you know, knitted ski hats. Uh, I love hats. Uh, If it's purple, even better. But if it's comfy, I'll probably be wearing it.
2: Uh, for me, when I was a kid, I want to say like late grade school, maybe middle school, I used to be obsessed with the Chicago Bulls and I had a Chicago Bulls, you know, style or baseball cap style cap, which I basically lived in. And then. Ever since, you know, sometime around middle school, I basically never have a hat on unless uh, it's wintertime, in which case uh, my other podcast ATP, uh, we have sold in the past winter hats. Uh, I do not wear the Syracuse a chicken hat that is too hot for me, uh, but I do have one. But I wear our ATP like little knitted beanie, whatever you call it thing in the wintertime. And that's about it for me.
0: Uh, I've gone through different hat phases in my life. Like Casey, I I had like a late grade school obsession. My case with the San Francisco Giants and wore a San Francisco Giants hat for a really long time. Um, most famously I wear a Red Sox hat a lot, but I recently got from Cotton Bureau, a hat with the insignia from my own sci-fi novels on it. So now I'm wearing, I'm wearing the hat for my own band basically. Oh, I,
2: (laughs) I, I, my entire wardrobe is ATP t-shirts. There you go. Don't feel bad. (laughs) I feel,
0: I feel better now. Hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash Clockwise and sign up for just $5 per month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss the automations we can't live without. And with that, we have reached the end of this week's episode. All that remains is to thank our fantastic guest, Lisa Schmeiser. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Thanks to everybody else who was on with me because you've given me
1: a to-do list for the next, uh, I don't know how long. You're t-doist. welcome. Ins- put in to-do you inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. You come to guest on a podcast and you go home with homework. Um, and uh, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, Casey, thank you so much uh, for coming on as well.
2: Thank you so much. It is always so much fun to be on the show. And I am glad that you had asked. So thank you.
0: And Rosemary, thank you so much for sitting in for Micah. Really appreciate it.
1: Well, something I'm always happy to do.
0: And he will presumably be back next week. Well, we'll be back next week, generally speaking. And until then, we remind everyone out there listening, watch what
1: you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.